created live on Fireside. So we are here to discuss career coaching. We are here to discuss a transition from a previous career, which I am very excited to hear about. We have a lot to discuss. Uh, Don't you agree? I agree. And I'm glad that our mutual friend, Gavin, uh, connected the two of us because I'm excited to have this conversation and ideally aspire and inquire. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I do want to publicly thank Gavin for getting getting us in touch. Uh, Gavin's a good friend of mine, and I know you got close with him. So this should be very interesting. Before that, I'll give a brief introduction about you, Alicia, and uh, then you can expand upon that as you see it fit. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. Great. So you went to Bentley University for undergrad, and you received a master's in taxation there as well. You started your career as an accountant, spent about the next, next 15 or so years in the field. Uh, the majority of those years at Eaton Vance and various tax roles were, of course, you met Gavin. Um, in addition, you were a lecturer at LaSalle University, and you currently do some uh, lecturing as well as Endicott College, while you can currently run your career coaching practice at Mindful Career Path. So such a, an interesting background so far that you've had in your career. Is there, is there anything you would like to say regarding introducing yourself, expanding upon that? Yeah, I, you know, I started in tax in accounting, but I think I gained a lot from my experience at Eaton Vance and other organizations working with college students in a, I guess you'd call it an informal career development setting. Um, And then in addition, uh, being able to resonate and teach college students as an adjunct professor. So the title I had was tax-related or accounting-related, those years provided a lot of value in my career development knowledge, um, and I was able to take those and eventually start Mindful Career Path, which is where my true passion lies, and, you know, somewhere hidden even 15 years ago, it, it was it was there as well, and, and I'm glad I, I finally got to uh, start my own business and, and and provide value where I can to professionals and college students as well as organizations. Instead of opening your own career practice at the beginning prior to having any, I guess you could call it, industry experience, you you probably have a unique perspective in that you know how the day-to-day goes. You know what it looks like to start a new career and 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 make that change in that transition, except you made a transition from this, this path, this very set, stable career, and jumping onto your own practice, which definitely had its own issues, and, and we'll talk about that later. But um, to to start off, let's start with that corporate career. Why why did you start in accounting and tax? What drew you there? Sure. Uh, so accounting and tax was really what I knew. I led my college search based on what subject I did well in during my high school years, right? Math was my strongest subject in those days. 
and what I did was I took that knowledge to business school at Bentley University. And at that time, based on all of my conversations in that space, accounting meant job security. You know, this meant work hard and then play hard. So the Monday through Friday, nine to five would be a grind, but it will be worth it uh, because outside of nine to five, you get to enjoy the world around you and your passion and you'll have some sort of financial flexibility. So without putting much thought into it, into that broader scope of career and life coexisting, that thought process resonated with my younger self. And, and that's really how I got started. Very interesting. And you, you were in this career for 15 years. Why did you necessarily stay that long prior to making the jump? I think it related just to how I was brought up, right? I was brought up, you know, with play it safe, have the job security, um, and you can still have fun. You can still travel. You can still do what you want to do, but make sure you have that nine to five security. Make sure you have the, you know, the benefits, the the salary um, and so forth. So it was always just kind of ingrained in me um, to, to make sure I can uh, financially provide for myself. And then at that time, you know, thinking about a future family, being able to help pro provide financially for them as well. So again, just playing that safe bet uh, was how I was brought up. And there is a lot of value in that because I think a lot of the opportunities um, that I did have later in life um, came from providing uh, financially for myself. Um, but it, it certainly was... Um, it certainly was the way that I was raised and, and I'm appreciative of it. You, you took a calculated risk, right? You didn't just make this jump and say, you know, I don't have the finances. I don't have the expertise. I just wanted to do this. No, you did not do that. You, you made a cal you took a calculated risk and were prepared for the jump. So I think that was a great mindset to have going in. I couldn't agree more because if I did just jump right into something, um, I know that I wouldn't have personally been successful at it. Um, I, I do like to take calculated risks, as you mentioned, and, and that's where, again, I think I thrive um, in my own business. Definitely. And, and talking about your own business, in the past, you, you've spoken about personal branding. This is something that where, you know, what you, what you put out into the world is what you're going to receive back from the external world. I found this very interesting when you talked about this on a previous podcast. Can you expand upon it a bit? Sure. In, in its simplest form, branding is really everywhere in our lives. So from where we fall in our family personalities to where we fall in our friendships and fast forwarding to where we fall in our careers. But that word right there, fall, that's exactly what will happen if your energy isn't driving your brand. Your brand will just fall wherever your external environment allows it to. So from a job seeker's point of view, consistent efforts in building your brand is a necessary process in living your purpose through your passion. So as my story goes, I started in accounting. I lived this title for 15 plus years. But I wanted to pivot into career development based on my experience with that space indirectly and then eventually directly. So for me, building my brand in the career development world consisted of identifying and engaging in learning opportunities, right, through the research I had with career experts in that industry, gaining industry certifications, 
you know, having endless conversations with career coaches. And really from there, it was building my online presence with this knowledge and my take on what I was learning right through blog posts or, or other writings, as well as in social media interactions and so forth. So once you build your brand online and you get comfortable with having as many conversations about your passion, the external world can then better serve you and opportunities that are created for you. But again, this all stems from your initial internal efforts in aligning your brand with your career vision. So that's really interesting to think about, like what, what you put out there cultivates your personal brand. So if I, I'm a, I'm a financialist for my day, financial analyst for my day job. So if I wanted to stay in that career and was looking to make a transition, but I'm posting about, let's say podcasting every single day. And that's the only content I put out there. Will that create some sort of misalignment for what uh, job recruiters and future managers are seeing? Sure, I, I, I kind of think of it more like, if you think of it as like the SEO of your life, right? Not so much the SEO of just Google or, or any other algorithm, right? I think of it as the SEO of life. So if you're putting out there more about podcasting, right? That's what the world will give back to you. It's same, you know, same with SEO with, or keywords with LinkedIn algorithms. You know, if your profile consistently shows up uh, with keywords and relevant phrases around podcasting rather than, you know, a financial analyst role, then you're going to receive more requests from recruiters about podcasting, right? Or speaking up uh, engagements. So, it really is about if you're going to put it out there, that's great. I just want to make sure that it's what you want to receive in return. So if you want a combination of two, yes, have blog posts about uh, podcasting and your experience with that, but also have blog posts about what you learned um, in your current role and where you want to be in the future as a financial analyst or you know whatever it is your future goal is. Interesting. Okay, so that's a good way of thinking about it. It's being mindful, speaking of mindful career path, um, of what you're posting online, being mindful of, okay, this is the brand that I'm cultivating when I make a series of posts about this specific thing. Exactly. And, and from my own experience, right, I was in accounting and tax and everything on my, let's, again, I'm going to go back to LinkedIn, everything on my LinkedIn profile showed accounting and tax. So, it wasn't until I started to create the presence of career coaching, career expert, not, um, it, ha it had to be authentic, right? So I was going out, I was getting certifications, I was taking up learning opportunities, I was having conversations with experts. So when it was authentic, I was able to transition my online presence to a career coaching aspect and with that being said, I was able to then receive requests from, you know, whether it was recruiters or hiring managers in a career development space, rather than the prior requests I was receiving for open accounting opportunities or open tax positions. So it was really making that transition, again, being mindful of it, uh, but if it's not authentic, uh, then whoever you're speaking to in the future will know that. So of course you need it to be authentic and that organically will happen with the requests coming in um, once you change up your online presence. 
Okay, that definitely makes sense. And it's, it's, it's important to shift towards where you're trying to transition to with regarding the personal brand you're creating at the same time. Exactly. And would you agree that when it comes to the career search, we have to explore for ourselves rather than just accepting what others tell us a job and career is like. It's, it's really fascinating when people told me, this is what investment banking is like. It's a 90 hour, or, or I said, should I say working at investment bank? Cause I'm not myself in investment banking. This is what working at investment bank looks like. Um, these are the hours you'll put in, but you don't really know something until you do it yourself. So, if you do agree with this, if you do agree that people need to find out what a job is like themselves, just taking someone's word and just accepting that as God, um, how would you lead students and younger individuals to to explore trying to find out what a job or career is like prior to? Yeah, 100%, I, I agree with this. So every role, every title can vary in what the truest sense of the word is based on industry and based on individual experience. So understanding yourself first is the most important step of career development strategy. Now I say step, but the reality of understanding yourself is a whole other podcast episode, <laughs> a whole other process. But once you have a picture, even if it's a blurry picture at first, of where you see your career vision taking you, I recommend a few practical applications first for students. So for instance, if you have an interest in, let's say, music production, start by doing a simple search on Google. You know, type in careers in music production. Your search results will redirect you to a number of sites. You know, for instance, it could redirect you to indeed and that will begin a career exploratory exercise where you can research various roles experience levels companies and locations in that space so from there another practical exercise is to view ideal job descriptions based on the opportunities you have researched so let's just say um, a music producer was that ideal title that you've started to research and you like what you see so far so I would take, um, let's call it 15 or so of those music producer job descriptions. And I would pull out which responsibilities you'd be excited to do every day. And with those collective and very specific responsibilities, what's gonna happen is your future networking conversations can have more traction than speaking in general terms solely based on your future ideal title, right? Instead of saying, I want to be a music producer, which could mean a number of different things to a number of different organizations, you can get specific and say, you know, I'm really excited to do X, Y, and Z, and really pull from those specific responsibilities that you would be excited to wake up every day and do. And so with everything you have gathered to this point, this is, again, going to allow your external world, your network to better serve you in your purpose. But also the other great thing about this is it allows you to understand relatively quickly if a role or an organization's vision, uh, vision doesn't jive with your ideals. So for instance, if you walk into an interview for a music producer and 80% of the conversation 
is around a responsibility that you really just don't care to do every day. Some people might take that as, okay, well, I'll still have the music producer title and, and that's what I want. But if 80% of the role is going to be something that's not going to, you know, wake you up in the morning, jump you out of bed, then why do it, right? Then you're just prolonging um, not being satisfied or, or having career fulfillment, if that makes sense. No, it most definitely does. And that's so fascinating to think that if people can get exposure in one way or another, some shape of it, prior to actually going into the job and being miserable, that it truly does make all the difference in in setting up a career trajectory, a happy one, I would say. Yeah, and I think one of the points you brought up before is when people told you what this would look like. I think there is a lot of value and it's it's necessary to talk to as many people as you can. And if you have this ideal vision of this role, right, a, a music producer, right, and you talk to as many music producers as you can out there, you can start with your alumni network, um, depending on your school and their engagement level. Um, I think it's really good to hear other people's opinions, experience, and so forth. But at the end of the day, you need to take away what's important to you, right? So they may say, well, this really isn't a great part of the job, but that might not be your opinion, right? Or somebody out of this, somebody else might say, well, it's, you know, a 90 hour a week, a 90 hour a week thing, but at the same time, you might work differently than them and be able to expedite certain processes. So it, it's great to hear other people's opinions, take away from it what it's important to you um, and leave on the table, just as a thank you, everything else that they may have said, good, bad, or indifferent. 100%. It's taking in their perspective, taking it with a grain of salt, and saying, okay, think about their perspective. It's undoubtedly valuable information, but you have to consider their biases, their specific situation, how it's different from you. And of course, again, taking their perspective is great, but you're going to have to learn for yourself um, at least parts of the day-to-day, the -day, let's say. And, and regarding client base, so I'm always fascinated about this. Let's think about things from the other side of the table, from the career practice perspective itself. You always get to choose, choose who you work with. And so what do you look for in a client and how do you know they'll be worth your time? Now, that's a weird way to phrase it, but how do you know they'll be worth it? Because when I think about it, it'd be, if you get to choose your clients, you want it to be mutually beneficial. Of course, you want them, you want to help them, but you want them to help themselves too. You want them to, to actually be taking your advice and, and actioning on that. So, so how do you know it'll be a great client? Yeah, this is, this is a really great question. And when I first started out, I had this tunnel vision of who my ideal client would be. And everything I read mentioned as an entrepreneur, you need to identify your target audience. Actually, one of the books that I read to kick off this journey, which I, I, I really loved, was called The One Page Marketing Plan. And I liked it because it was an easily uh, digestible book with many practical applications, uh, takeaways, and so forth. My initial understanding was that a target market mentioned what generation, what age, 
possibly even what gender do you think your business will best serve and where you will be able to provide the most value for. However, when I started to dive into my business, opportunities came up uh, to work with those outside of my target audience. And some of these quote unquote outsiders ended up being my most enthusiastic clients. So in this experience, I realized my best value add will come from working with motivated individuals and organizations. Actually, Dr. Jeff Spencer says it best. If you lack motivation or sincerity, I am the wrong coach for you. I work with those who are committed to move forward and upward. So career development is an internal process. It can be guided by an external support system like myself and others, but it's not going to be attained with anything less than your absolute energy and efforts. I love that quote. That's a great quote. Is there something you do just as a follow-up? Is there something you do at the beginning of each process with your client where you're like, look, uh, I need to make sure you're motivated or, or I don't, I'm not sure how you may not have an answer to this, is it, but is there something you do that ensures you to the best of your ability that this client will be engaged and they will be able to consistently help themselves? Yes. Before each official um, proposal is sent out uh, working with different clients, obviously we have a conversation, right? So I don't know how long the conversation typically lasts. Let's just call it, you know, 20 minutes. We'll have a conversation. I am very honest. You know, I said there's going to be effort on your part. And without your effort, uh, this will be a waste of money for you. This will be a waste of time for you. Um, there is, depending on the client, they may look for career coaching sessions where they're very much involved. And some people just don't have the time based on their life structure. They might not have the time at that moment to devote to something like rewriting their resume. So what they do want is they want me just to write it for them. That's just one example of a service offering. And that's fine. I'll work with, I'll, I'll do the work. I'll rewrite the resume, but I do let them know that I can write a resume that will help you get in the door, but there's so much more to getting one, an interview, and then two, the actual job than just the quote unquote perfect resume. Um, so I'm honest with my conversations before I have anyone sign on with me. And I think in those conversations, that helps weed out people that are looking for someone just to do the work and they're not really willing to learn. Either they just, you know what, this is too much. I don't want to think too much about this. Um, and it also allows me to say, do I hear it in their voice? that they're 100% on board uh, with the structure of our working relationship. And if I don't hear it, um, then I can certainly offer up other opportunities or ways to work uh, with colleagues of mine, um, with other career coaches that might be a better fit, or even working with recruiters uh, that might be a better fit for them. But I think just through conversation and honesty from both ends, I think that allows me to understand whether I'm a right fit for them, which is important. And if they're a right fit for my services. I appreciate that. That, that complete, completely makes sense, makes total sense. And it's an interesting um, journey that goes on from all the way from the beginning 
of your relationship with the client to hopefully a successful entrance into a new job for them. So, and, and if I had, if we had more time, I would be more questions surrounding that, but yeah. we'll, we'll have to schedule a second conversation for that. Um, I think ask the question that I ask all guests, no matter where their career takes them, what, where they are successful in. And that question is, in your opinion, what is the biggest misconception in life or career? The media, <laughs> including social media. I think it's one of the big life misconceptions. And these outlets, what they do is they show a glimpse and only a glimpse into reality. Career development is like social media. You are only gonna hear about the perfect moments or see the perfect pictures. You don't see the 15 outtakes that came before. Career development, it's gonna take time. And the end game of securing an ideal role is gonna be a process. So these filtered pictures of life success can be misleading. Not that they are untrue, but the truth behind these pictures came with a lot more grit than sh the showcase story may be telling. Wow, yeah, that is, <laughs> I could not agree more. Um, I because I, I have a problem with media in general. I agree. Again, whole nother conversation this could be, but um, I do agree. Perception is reality, but it also isn't. And what you put on there, and what all these these different companies that have their own perspectives, uh, what they take on a specific situation. <laughs> It's rough, and well, I'm going to keep it there because I'll go on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> we, can have a, but, we can have another podcast episode. <laughs> definitely, definitely. We'll have, we'll have to do a second one. So you provided a lot of information here. Is, is there any last piece of advice that you'd have for anyone struggling to find a job? It's, this is a specifically important question during these times, of course, with COVID. It's, it's difficult to... I mean, companies are starting to hire again. It's clearly better than it was. But uh, there are a lot of people still struggling to find jobs. Do you have any last piece of advice for anyone? Sure. So for the, for the last year, we've all heard that we have to get used to the quote-unquote new norm. So what do you want your new norm to look like? If, if the old way of creating a resume and hitting easy apply on LinkedIn isn't gaining any traction, rethink your old norm. Right? The old norm of resume first is, is long gone. Your online presence, your brand, this is the gateway to initiating conversations. And your conversations are your extension into the hidden job market. So your brand and networking conversation all starts with understanding the, your, um, the unique you and your unique value add. The Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung once said, the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Wow, you're pulling out these incredible quotes. <laughs> I like to read a lot. <laughs> I can definitely tell. That's awesome advice. I really appreciate that. And if, if anyone wanted to reach out to you or connect with you afterwards, where, where would be the best place for them to do so? Sure. If you go to mindfulcareerpath.com, my contact information is there. I'm on a number of different social media platforms. My email address is my name, so Alicia 
ramsdell at mindfulcareerpath.com. I always respond. Um, I'm always on social media. If you're reaching out, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, anyway, um, I'm happy to respond, whatever's convenient for you. But my, again, mindfulcareerpath.com houses all that information. So happy to connect and, and, and respond as quickly as possible. Amazing. And I did provide the link in this, in our little fortune cookie. So for anyone that's tuning in, if you click the link, you can find the hyperlink to Alicia's website, Mindful Career Path. Now, before we head off here, the really cool thing about Fireside is this is very interactive. And anyone who's listening in on the app can actually ask you questions. Now, I don't know if we have any today, but if we do, uh, does anyone want to jump on stage and ask a question? If so, this is, of course, only if you're in the app as of now. If you're broadcasting outside externally uh, and want to get on the app, reach out to me. I'll help with that. But right now, uh, are there any questions anyone may have? Hello, Ben. Hello, Alicia. Uh, I've been tuning in. This is great. Um, I think this is uh, this is my first time on Fireside. It's an amazing app. And Alicia, you've provided so much uh, information throughout this whole conversation with Ben. And I just had one question. Um, you know, how has the COVID pandemic, you know, changed the way that you conduct your business in the way that you contact and interact with clients uh, to, to provide the services and, and, and do the job that you can do best? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question, Matt. And I started Mindful Career Path in January of 2020. And months later, COVID hit. And I was able to quickly pivot into Zoom calls um, or any other platform that allows for video calls. And I, what I like about this is that I'm able to reach a larger audience. And people, I feel as though before COVID, were a little skeptical to jump on a Zoom call with perfect strangers. But because the new norm, we're all on Zoom calls all the time, I feel as though the larger audience is willing and receptive to have, you know, career co one hour career coaching sessions over Zoom and for it to be, quote unquote, completely normal. Right. And to still have a lot of value come from that rather than what we would have done in the past, which is a lot smaller of an audience in a personal face to face session. So I think I think COVID in some weird way has is worked out in a sense of getting people comfortable with interacting with people they normally wouldn't have reached um, and doing this face-to-face, -face, I guess, through virtual virtual ways in Zoom and, again, Google Meet or any other platform. Does that answer your question? Yes, and just a quick second follow-up. Obviously, everyone, or not everyone, I should say, more people are becoming, I guess, more comfortable with using these uh, online video chat and features such as Zoom, Microsoft Teams and everything. So do you anticipate that moving forward, and you mentioned that people are becoming more receptive to doing online meetings. Do you think that moving forward that there are some people that will still want to meet in person or do you plan on stopping doing the Zoom and going in person face to face? Do you think that there's a group of people that, you know, 
will benefit larger from a face-to-face interaction versus online in a Zoom? Yeah, so I think it really depends on the individual and it, it depends on the organization, right? And I think for myself, I love being face-to-face with people. However, for those that I can't be face-to-face with, for instance, if I have clients out in California and I'm in Massachusetts, I will still, of course, offer up the virtual and uh, virtual appointments and be able to um, interact with that larger audience. I think there is something to be said as far as benefits go with being in person, you know, even from an organization's perspective, you know, there's there's statistics that show that there is uh, a benefit to your, you know, your psychology, I guess, in, in interacting with your manager, even if it's just a quick walking by in a hallway and you give each other a smile, a small, small pleasantries. Hello, how you doing? How was your weekend? It might not seem like a big deal, but that builds up uh, a rapport with, with your manager and also people that work for you. So I think I'm hoping that there is going to be a blend kind of of both worlds. And you can have the virtual appointments to reach that larger audience when in person doesn't really make a lot of sense or you can cut down on travel costs. Um, but you're also able to work face to face because there's a lot of benefit that goes into that um, as far as building up a, an emotional connection with your audience. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy. Thank you for asking the questions. Well, awesome. Thank you for the question, Matt. Uh, I appreciate it. And that's cool. That was our first question on the Aspiring Choir podcast with Tim Firesides. That was cool. And Alicia, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to show. I think guests uh, or the audience is going to learn a ton from this conversation and prospective job or job applicants, job seekers are really going to find this valuable. So thank you so much. And thank you, Ben, because I think Aspire and Inquire podcast is going to um, help a lot of people, you know, one, just listening into different people's perspectives, but also being able to ask questions um, and have vulnerable conversations about things such as your career. Um, that's such a big component of our lives. So I really appreciate what you're doing, and, and I, I see a lot of value in it. Thank you. Definitely appreciate that. And thank you one last time before exiting here um, for being an early test guest. We had some tech issues, but that's okay. Looking forward to the next conversation. Thank you, Ben. Be well. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of Aspire and Inquire. We hope you enjoyed it, learned a ton, and can use it to your advantage going forward in your own career. As always, you can find us on social media at aspire underscore inquire. You can find our website at aspireandinquire.com. And we're always looking for new amazing guests to feature on the show. If you know someone or you yourself can feature on our show, reach out to us. You can email us at aspireinquired at gmail.com or find another way to get to us. We want to hear from you. But in the meantime, stay tuned till next week's amazing episode.